That's okay. Do you hear me? I do. Okay. Loud and clear. Okie dokie. Surfnvs.com is Naked Viking Surf for all of your surfboard fin needs. Yeah, look, Naked Vikings fins, right? NVS fins. I think their uh, Instagram is Naked Viking. I think so right? too. Yeah. Yeah. Check them out on Instagram. You'll see all their cool stuff. And uh, I know I follow them. And look, it's the fins that David and I use. And I won't ride stuff that doesn't work. I simply won't. Uh, my my lifespan in the water is coming to a close here and I'm going to ride the best equipment I can until those final days, which are like 20 years away, I'm assuming. But NVS Fins is uh, my go-to for super sick, state-of-the-art ripping. Yeah, I agree. Um, follow them on Instagram. It's literally a two-man show. So how do you not love that two guys committed their life both had flourishing careers uh and then committed their life to making fins because they knew they could do it for they could do it better for cheaper and they do and they have, you have direct access to them so i know a lot of our listeners have reached out and sent photos like hey this is the board that i'm riding what fins should i grab and they say not only give advice but in one instance i know somebody um it was shukin actually said I've got this quad from Tim Pony in Maui that I just ordered and I don't know what to order, what fins to get. And I said, I don't either <laughs> just contact them directly. And I think they even said like, you need a quad setup, but use these, the, the front fins from this quad setup and the back fins from this other quad setup. So two separate sets of fins, but we're not going to make you buy two sets of fins. We'll send you the two from this set and the two from that set. We'll just make a solution for you, you know? So little stuff like that is um, unbeatable in terms of customer service and expertise. Yeah. Look, nakedvikingsfins.com or no, it's, is it NVS? Surfnvs.com. Okay. And then, or I mean, honestly, get them there or grab them from real water sports real water sports obviously is our retail partner that we've worked with for like two years now and um we talk about the deals that you can get on boards and how fast their inventory is but you're gonna ultimately want a new set of fins for whatever board you buy and you could buy naked viking fins through real water sports and that's realwatersports.com so you can kill two birds with one stone there always absolutely love it see some movement at the takeoff zone it's kelly slater grabbing rail a clean entry this thing holding open it spits when it spit me i thought it was going to spit me off my board comes out with the spit spits him out comes out after the spit gets spat out of another good looking wave here spit 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 we're just spitballing right yeah i got Yeah, guy. Yeah, guy. Yeah, freaking guy. It's uh, that time, David. It's spit. It is the uh, Tuesday morning, and we talk surf each and every week. David Lee Scales, Scott Bass with you. Just spitballing, spitting stuff out at you, throwing stuff around, rumor, innuendo, some fact, occasionally, perhaps. Who knows? Uh, only the listener really knows after they do Google research on what we say. It's just out there. It's far out. And uh, welcome. Good morning. If we land on a fact, it's it's a coincidence. It's just statistically yeah. once in a while, you're going to get something right. Exactly. I mean, it's, you know, what are the blind squirrel theory? Exactly. Um, well, I think there's one major news story, and that is the event that happened in this last week since we were finished, I guess, since we last recorded. And my question to you, I'm going to start off with a question related to the Hurley Sunset Pro, Scott. <clears throat> yes, sir. 
do we now have to reconsider our stance on Felipe Toledo not being a big wave surfer, considering that he just won the sunset event? Of course not. Sunset wasn't even really sunset. It was, it was sunset point. It was basically, uh, I mean, it was super fun way. It was like a blue water, warm water bells beach is what we saw there. Um, sunset point is not pure, unadulterated, mean West peak, 12 to 15 foot sunset, or even eight to 12 feet sunset, you know, it was four to five feet and, uh, maybe three to five feet. And so that's not true sunset. That's nobody's fault, but just the uh, mother nature, you know, sort of throwing a uh, curveball at the WSL's kickoff to the season here with both pipe and sunset being lackluster. Um, but this was why my interest was maybe a five out of 10 mm. was that sunset beach wasn't true sunset beach. Um, I did watch the semis. I did watch the finals. Frankly, the surfing that I saw was incredible. Um, and I believe that Felipe is now on pace to win another title. He has to be the favorite uh, now that Hawaii is over without any real consequential waves of pipe or sunset. And with only Chopu as a real question mark for Felipe right now, um, not only is he the favorite, he's the heavy favorite. And he's frankly hitting on all cylinders. I mean, his surfing is, is incredible. You know, he is an incredible surfer in, in, you know, 99% of the waves on tour. Yeah. You can't deny him that. I think the only reason I posed that question to you is we, um, obviously everybody knows our stance on Felipe cowardly lion, right. At big barreling waves, but, uh, <laughs> well, cause he has that lion tattoo on his chest. That's why I always think about that. Um, but He's done. De he's got a decent result at Chopu. He's got a decent result at Pipe now, twice I think. I think last year he got third, and now he won Sunset. And so all the waves that we hold as the standard for where he's not going to do, he's now making quarters, finals, and winning events there. And I agree with you; they aren't <clears throat> running in the biggest conditions. But at a certain point, we need to reevaluate. You know, I don't know what he needs to do for us to reevaluate. I guess the waves have to be ten foot. Well, and he has to go. Well, there's that. And I think that's one thing. And frankly, uh, this, uh, my hat's off to Felipe because he has adjusted. He hasn't been able to that's get I guess. Yeah. fifths and thirds at Chopu. Like he knows how to get through heats. Yeah. Yeah. But he's not like the guy you go, Oh, it's, it's that time of the year survival league. Who should I pick at Chopu? You're never going to Felipe. I never would have picked him for sunset, no matter he, what the conditions. Exactly. Are. Yeah. Exactly. So what I think needs to happen, or maybe not, here's a thought, but I believe uh, that the tour needs a stop where surfers have to ride seven eights and yeah. eight fours and maybe nine O's. And the answer to that is Puerto Escondido. Yeah. I think they need to have, once they cut the tour down and you've got less guys uh, and frankly, I think they should have the finals day at Puerto Escondido with only five guys and you have it over a couple of days in the morning. Maybe you can pull it off uh, men's and women's in two days. I don't know. But and I think that surf fans are sort of yearning for this. Yeah. And there's been some talk about that. You know, um, I saw that Kong, I sent you a thing where Kong and those guys were chiming in on how lame it is at sunset that these guys chip in on their six fours, you know, into the what from the whitewater. But anyway, point is, we want to see guys 
riding eight fours. And you know, there's an analogy or there's a, a similar situation in golf where the golfers have gotten so good and the golf ball has gotten so advanced and the technology in the golf club has gotten to a place where the best golfers in the world hit drives of 330 yards. So their next shot in what's called the approach shot in golf is usually with either a nine iron or a pitching wedge or a sand wedge. You don't see golfers having to hit four irons and three irons and two irons into the green anymore. Now, back in the day, and I hate to be that guy with my fists in the air, get off of my lawn. But back in the day on the golf tour, the pros like Jack Nicholas, Lee Trevino, all these great golfers, even in the 90s, they had to hit four irons. And it, it's part of the game. And I think having to ride an 8-6 or a 7-6 at meaty barreling Puerto Escondido should be a part of the challenge to say, uh, when you say that I'm a world champion, you have to uh, address that part of the equation, which is what we all do as surfers. It adds a lot more complexity and diversity to the tour, you know? Uh, it's like to see Felipe win in waves that are similar throughout the year does uh, make it a lot less interesting. And I know Sunset, is, obviously Sunset and Pipe are different, but the way that Sunset was, you said, kind of reminded you of Bells. It kind of has a J-Bay quality to it, you know? So, um, well, it's not, not J Bay. It's more, it's just sunset point. It's super fun. It's just kind of soft and, and rippable. And like for you and me, the average person, we'd be psyched on it, you know, four to five foot sunset point, but it's just not sunset beach. Like we know. And the day that they run the, they ran the bulk of the men's competition though, despite not being pumping sunset was still super super good i mean it was like barreling it down was. the point you know like i've seen it barrel on the outside and on the inside but it was like barreling down the point which i don't remember ever seeing in competition so they scored for that day but again it's too the tour's too bloated they're running two events simultaneously so they only get those conditions for you know one quarter of the heats which makes it problematic yeah you know the the stars didn't show up. The waves of the stars, Sunset Beach didn't show up. Therefore, the stars didn't show up. And, and that's just the fact of the matter. Well, um, speaking of surfing, phenomenal surfing, actually, I agree with you about what you're saying about Felipe, because everybody else, a lot of other surfers were absolutely on their A game, Griffin Colopinto, namely. Yeah. And yeah. he doesn't, he doesn't quite stack up to Felipe, you know, and, um, it was, I think that final heat, you and I were texting a little bit. They got the scoring a little bit wrong. So it was really close, but Felipe, I feel like Griffin is really surfing out of his skin, you know, and he's not quite to Felipe and Felipe's just doing Felipe and he's still beating him. And there's maybe one or two of the waves that John John got early, early rounds when John John was on fire would be on par with Felipe. And then you could see like a real battle, but otherwise I feel like Felipe is kind of on a different level. And I love Jack Robinson and I love Jack Robinson at sunset, but Jack Robinson, frankly, looks slow compared to Felipe. He looks lethargic. And if the waves were 10 to 12 feet sunset, Jack is on a whole different level than Felipe, you know, like he would be the guy that you would put money on and John, John Florence would rise to that occasion. But when they aren't, when it is head high and rippable, he does look a little bit lethargic to me. And I don't know what to attribute that to. And Felipe does look completely unstoppable. 
Yeah, no, there's no doubt. I mean, it, I think that, frankly, Felipe's in his prime, and he also has the um, the professionalism to be in his prime yeah. for the next seven years. Like, I could see Felipe going on a run because he's settled, he's married, he's got coaches yeah. in rhythm, he's been on tour for 10 years. Like, there's no, nothing's going to, like, if anything from the outside comes in and messes with him at all, it's out. You know, like, he will kick it out the door. And um, I just yeah. feel like he's he's just for sure the next three years. It would not surprise me, David, if Philippe Toledo won four titles in a row. Well, it depends where finals day is. Um, we've expressed a lot of uh, problems with finals day, but ultimately the number one problem for me with the finals day format is if somebody is such a dominant competitor at the venue, then it nullifies everything else. And Felipe yeah. has become the guy who is that dominant at that venue. And so it almost doesn't matter, you know, what has happened throughout the season and how much point, how many points somebody has accrued going into that event, because Felipe could come in at fifth and he's always going to win lowers, you know? So they need to either, if they're going to maintain this same concept of, we're just going to crown the winner on finals day, despite the amount of points earned throughout the season, then it needs to be a rotating venue or multiple days, you know, like you said, five days at Porto or something like that, because um, it just allows for too much for one person to dominate, you know, unjustly. And yeah. in this last year, of course, Felipe did earn first place prior to going in and this year he might as well. So my point is not as valid, but it still is theoretically an important detail. Well, there's no doubt that uh, things need to change. And uh, it's funny because, you know, we're, we're always like, you know, we're kind of going, wouldn't it be great if there was an equal playing field? And we th had thought that lowers was an equal playing field, but now we of course know that it isn't. And we need, you know, waves of concert. We need some spot that it's equalizes is, yeah. that, that, that friggin um uh connor coffin could win the t the title if he's one of well, the five you know but yeah yeah or whoever yeah. i'm just he's like never, matt young <laughs> let's say matt young i think uh, i matt so, young could win the world title if he was one of the five and it was a puerto escondido not yeah, could. could easily win and that's what i'm saying like and that's what you're saying like let's have a spot where it's like Hey well, man, you got to paddle out on a seven, two and show some cojones and pull in and drive through some, and you know, I guess it's hard to pinpoint a specific spot because there will always be somebody who is better at that spot than other people, of course. So when they were originally conceptualizing the final day format, Dave Prodan texted me and pitched the idea. He's like, what do you think of this concept? And I go, you know, it's an interesting concept and there's a lot of variables that I probably can't even like consider right now, but the venue should be Indonesia boat trip. If you can finalize it down to five people and then there was a mini event in Indonesia that was a rotating, you know, day one is at Macaroni's, day two is at Hollow Trees or whatever. And uh, maybe it's a best of three. And he said, you know, that's even what they were saying. They were like, it would be like a best of three heats. And I'm like, yeah, that's perfect at three different venues on a boat, but all depending on where is pumping the most, you know? And um, so even now I think about that and I think that is the best concept. If there was a right, there was a left, there's a rippable wave, there's a hollow wave, all that. And it would just be, not only is it the best way to figure out who the 
best is of a top five. It's a phenomenal concept for an event, you know, like a standalone. I mean, it's the most kind of uh, flawless waves on the in the world. And it would just be the best event for a lot of reasons. They get a lot of mileage out of doing something like that. There's one reason that it's not a good idea. Mm. And do you know what that is? No. The time of day relative to North American sponsorship and and you and I watching the event. I'm assuming, of course, that that I sort of have a North American bias because it would be ideal for Australia. And so it's never ideal globally, um, no matter where you do it. You know, like trestles at noon is like two in the morning in Australia. So you're kind of screwed wherever you are, regardless. So, but yeah. other than that, I think it's, I agree with you. It's a I, no brainer. Yeah. I understand why that is such a big uh, flaw to the idea, but we need to rethink the priorities here because yeah. that concept that I just gave far trumps you know, like the importance of running in good waves and making a phenomenal event far trumps what time of day you run the event. Yeah. And so the fact that they're over-prioritizing time of day shows that the powers that be don't fully understand their own business. Yeah, but no, let's totally talk agree. But more about Sunset. Um, sure. I think there is a budding rivalry here forming between Griffin and Felipe. They matched up in the final at El Salvador and it was equally as close. Griffin won that event. And I think Felipe was pretty upset about that, uh, feeling it was unjust, meaning. So I could see this continuing on. And I really feel like Griffin is still on the ascent. And this loss was a sting. Like he wants to win bad, you know. Um, Let me chime in on that yeah, real quick. Yeah, um what what comes to mind for me is this is why there's too many guys on tour. We should already yeah. have stats of five heats between Griffin totally. and, and and Felipe, and and John John and J versus Jack and you know like all like these top should be guys are really all that matter. We should also be seeing them match up again in Portugal immediately. We just shouldn't exactly. have to wait eight events to see them match yeah, up. Yeah, hope that it all works out and then, yeah. you know yeah yeah totally. Um. Two, well, actually four other highlights, uh, surfers that I did not anticipate necessarily going into this event that I was completely impressed by. Nat Young, you already mentioned. Nat Young, yep. over the years, I mean, from his rookie year on tour, uh, he has had highlights. And sometimes they were multiple events in a year. Sometimes they were just one highlight in the season. But he's had enough highlights at this point for you and I to really, we should be betting on him. You know, I mean, I guess his lowlights also make us not want to bet on him, but he is such an impressive surfer. Well, I, I think he surfs better backside. I think his backside okay. surfing is more, um, more scorable. You know, I'm not taking away anything from his front side. His front side, it's like, okay, it's ace bucking, you know, like he rips, you know, but it's not like Gabe or Idolo or other goofy yeah. foots where you're like, Oh, but backside he's extremely, uh, well, well you know, from Santa Cruz, that makes sense. You know, who he's like backside actually is ace bucking. <laughs> well, you know, ace bucking 2.0, either way you put it, but for some reason him and aces backhand is more exciting. Yeah. Well, but out there, you're going to get more vertical and yeah. And Andy hits his style seems to really translate to powerful surf too, you know? Yeah. Um, Matt McGillivray, 
Well, we, we were, I, that doesn't surprise us, right? I mean, we were pretty blown away by him. Uh, was it the COVID year? No, that was last Morgan, year. that was Morgan Siblick, the COVID, COVID oh, yeah, year, right. which was interesting. So he and Morgan were traveling on tour together during that COVID year. Morgan, who we had never heard of other than the Rip Curl movie that they had just put out, uh, finished fifth in the world, <clears> you know, and it was like, like his run through that season was so impressive. And here was Matt McGillivray traveling with him never making a peep and we're just like oh morgan and his buddy whose name we can't pronounce you know and then morgan finishes in the top five and then immediately falls off tour the very next year and quietly matt mcgillivray has just taken over and taken huge scalps along the way his 10 last year the best 10 of the season you know and now here he is again really doing it like the guy is so so dependable if nat young is uh ace bucking matt mcgillivray is b derbich (laughs) <laughs> match way but i like b don't i'm not saying b's not great but that's not fair to be <laughs> but that that dependability that strong footedness you know like it's and their surfing style isn't exactly the same but their approach looks similar um yeah. the the other two that really blew me away maybe even more so are joao chianca and yeah. kayo abelli yeah holy yeah. cow if you want moments of thrill Kaiwa Belly, every single heat, the guy is an animal. I mean, he's on 14 waves, making insane drops, getting crazy barrels. As soon as he's down, he's back out and getting another one. It's really, really exciting. Yeah, he's a workhorse. He's he's sort of like Adriano with good style. <clears throat> you know what I mean? Like you want to root for him. He's <clears throat> just got, um, you know, his presence in front of the microphone is great. And uh, his surfing's next level at all time. So it really is easy to easy to be a fan of his adriano with flair kind of yeah and better style yeah and then joao reminded me we talked about joao i think going into this event uh joao is here to stay oh yeah there's no doubt i and we look even last year we were saying i can't believe he fell off tour that guy is intense and um joao's like mike tyson like to me he he's just a pit bull competitively. And I think he strikes fear in people like competitors. You know what I mean? He's got like this, just no holds barred, um, ruthless and raw, but also p- enough polish to make finals. Uh, he's you get, Hey, check this out. If the Olympics were, if the draw for each Olympic team was today, who do you think would be in it for the Brazilians? Well, because you just set it up that way, it's got to be Felipe and Joao. Yeah. Felipe and Joao. Caio would be third. So he'd be an alternate. Yeah. There's yeah. no Gabe and no Elo in the equation here. In fact, the next Brazilian is Miguel Pupo. So, well, he's, he's tied with Gabe. So Joao, um, He's got a complete game, right? Like we've seen him in big barreling surf. He's certainly not afraid. And uh, we've seen him in small surf. He does airs. His rail game's insane. He's got good style, all of it. What what we end up seeing happening is uh, these kind of quick rise and explosions of these athletes. And really the question mark is in the sophomore slump. So Gabriel beat Gabriel at a certain point, and he had to reevaluate and come back with a new kind of program. 
Idolo currently is beating Idolo, you know, and he looked unstoppable his world title year and coming into it, we would have bet money on him. And then he's just got, it's like all of the fame and everything, all the attention, the money, all of that is a distraction. And so he's now got to kind of figure out how to regroup because he still has all the talent. He's youthful. His body's in the best shape it's ever going to be in all that sort of stuff. So he, when does Elo like, what are the odds on Elo getting a gold grill? Like his teeth just having diamonds and gold higher than him getting another world title. (laughs) (laughs) The gold has been working its way up his body. It started off at his fingertips, which were down by his waist. Then it ended up on his neck. Now it's on his ears and his nose It's only a matter of time until through osmosis, it works his way from his, it was in his fillings and now it's going to be just in the front. There's going to be a gold grill. There's going to be a little diamond in one of them. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) So his, his girl's initials in diamonds somehow. I feel like you've actually looked into purchasing a grill before. You have no way too much Me? about it. Oh, no. How do you know so much about it? Um, I don't know too much. So the question oh. for Joao is that, yeah. you know, it's like if Joao. Well, no, this, but this is his sophomore. I mean, nah, in my opinion, really. his rookie season was last year. He fell off. Yeah, tour. it is. But he this isn't his sophomore. I'm talking the sophomore slump for those guys was after they won a world title. Okay. How do they come back after that? Because that goes from them earning 300,000 bucks a year to them making 1.5, one, you know, two, and they're buying properties. And it's how do they handle all of that? Right. Yeah. 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 They have literally like Brazilian supermodels themselves. Yeah. Time is being siphoned from them that they normally maybe would have had to to focus on what it is they're trying to accomplish. Yeah. You have two and three mortgages. You have money manager now. Everybody's calling you all the time, you know, like all of that. Totally. So um, that's the question for Joao. Hopefully we're down, that's down the road and we actually get to see it come to fruition because if he won a world title, I think that'd be an incredible run. But that's also where my question is with Felipe Toledo. So you kind of mentioned Felipe having family and all this other stuff that keeps him grounded, which I actually agree with you. Felipe seems to have a lot more humility and groundedness and stability than those other athletes that I just mentioned, I guess the only question for Felipe would be injury, like injury could exactly. sideline him, you know, that's it. But, Everything he else. Does, he's a well-oiled machine team to lead him. He flies high enough to like, you know, uh, threaten injury, but there's something about his body type, like that live lightweight kind of thing that also feels more flexible and a little bit more permeable, not so yeah. subject to injury. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, you're right. Look, he's telling you, he's not only the favorite, he's the heavy favorite. I don't know if they have odds. I know that the guys on stab do some betting and I don't look into it. I'm not a gambler, but he's got to be a favorite, um, the heavy favorite. Okay. So yeah, go ahead. One other highlight wave, singular wave of the event for me, Felipe, or I'm sorry, Idolo Ferreira's uh, free fall drop into the barrel. How insane was that? That was pretty cool. For sure. That was insane. And that just kind of speaks to all of these guys having enough air game that having the board flutter underneath their feet isn't some new feeling. Like they know how to kind of like, they expect to get reattached. That's a good point, man. I would have ejected the moment that flutter happened and kicked the board the opposite way, you know, like, but it was like a thrilling, thrilling moment. So Felipe still has those moments. I mean, not Felipe, Idolo. Idolo still has those moments. The other thing is, in terms of um, 
I think I've already said it, but ability level and strength wise, like his body, he is so primed to do the best surfing on tour. If he could just put it together, because we still see moments of it like that. So um, hopefully he can, because I think he would present a really, really incredible threat to Felipe, John, John, everybody. Um, as we look again, I'm kind of going back to Olympic qualification because I think it's, it's, I think if it hasn't started to weigh on people's minds, I think right now it starts to weigh on people's minds. One, there's only three events until the cut. Interesting. If the cut happens and you're not even, and you don't yeah. make the cut, you're not going to make the Olympic qualification. Yeah. So right now, Griffin and John, John are the Americans. I like it. Um, the next American in line for an alternate is Seth Moniz. Interesting. And then Nat Young. So Kelly's not looking good to make the Olympic team right now and so, frankly he doesn't seem motivated to compete um sort of with you know i don't know i don't know maybe his head i really don't know what to think about what kelly's well, kelly, headspace he kelly's spoken on it a little bit he said his biggest motivator for competing this year is the olympics in fact so um well he needs to get on the horse yeah well i think he's trying it's just again we've talked about it ad nauseum waves kelly needs good waves to perform at this point especially compared to felipe toledo and those guys so unless it's pumping which you know portugal every time we talk crap about portugal i get listeners send me dms of like the day of days at at super tubos like hey look at how good it gets i told it quit talking crap about it i know it gets good it also isn't always good. And it actually more often than not, isn't that good. And so more events than not run in marginal surf in Portugal. So when you're looking at Kelly, yeah, he could perform if it's firing, you know, and then in bells, of course he could perform if it's firing, but if it's subpar, either of those waves, I don't see him making the quarters versus the guys who are on tour currently. So he's currently sitting in 16th, which means he's above the cut line, but certainly way below the Olympic qualification line. Yeah, it's funny. I was wondering, gosh, is Super Tuba is a wave that could be a finals day wave. And does if that they had if they had a long enough waiting period to ensure that they got super yeah. good surf? Yeah. Um, Australians regarding the Olympics um, making the team right now, if it were to be held today, the, the, the qualification pick, Ethan Ewing. Well, Jack Robinson, who's number one yeah. in the world, and Ethan Ewing would be your yeah. guy i like it yeah and again it's the events the events at chopu so jack robinson yeah. is it is smart money there john john florence is smart money there and then uh griffin colapinto i'm fine with being there too he absolutely charges and oh for sure i don't think of him when i think of chopu but i think he's fully fully capable of placing well well he and john john are the uh, americans right now so yeah we'll see what happens well by the way um i heard through the grapevine coconut wireless so to speak that um the moniz brothers are changing board sponsors mm. um it's not completely confirmed but i'm hearing that seth moniz going to sharp eye surfboards and josh moniz going to dhd interesting um, yeah more to more to come on that i don't know if it's completely confirmed but that's one of the rumors that i'm getting well you know when you see some tech company moneyed up and starting doing rapid acquisitions, just like blanketing a space. 
that's what sharp eye is doing currently and i don't know who's behind those decisions and what their exact i mean they i would i would presume that they're paying these athletes you know like they've really gobbled up a handful of a-listers who had long-term contracts with other a-list board builders and um and they've got the momentum of like felipe tati and then getting Kanoa, and they're just running with that momentum to attract other talent and presumably, like I said, paying them. So it's it's a smart strategy. They're striking while the iron is hot. The fact that they've got the WSL, I mean, they didn't, but the WSL is now doing the shaper ranking things, I think adds a lot more attention. So maybe that is the reason. Maybe they're going, hey, there's going to be more attention on pointy thrusters, high-performance shortboards now than ever. Here's our chance to just blanket the space. And yeah, queue up the distribution, make sure all of that is in line, make sure the factory is fully pumping to fulfill it all. And we can just this year double our business, you know. Yeah, it's actually an interesting little um competition. You know, Tracks magazine has done this in the past where they basically gave the whatever they're calling what is the WSL calling it? The board builders truck cop or something i don't know shapers rankings i thought something yeah like that. but it's got some name like board builders cop or something anyway um tracks did it and and it was sharp eye and so the competition really is between sharp eye and mayhem and lost lost and sharp eye in my opinion just like sort of a a, a lay person's lay of the land so to speak on what people are riding most of the you know majority of the boards are sharp eye and lost and mm-hmm. i think you know, third through ninth is just a bunch of different boards. You know, there might well, be some DHDs. There might CI and yeah, DHD CI would be there, third yeah. and fourth, I would say. And yeah. C, CI dominated that tour for so long, both on the men, men's and the women's side. And yeah. so, yeah, so they've got ground to kind of make up at this point. They've got Joao Chianca, Matt McGillivray, I believe, Nat Young, of course, um, yeah. Lakey Peterson well, there's on the some heat wins. Side. Yeah. yeah, there's some heat wins right there. So. But the heat wins, I think, based on the rules, only – factor in from the quarters onwards for points oh, okay interesting all right yeah well we'll see how that plays out i'm all, as a surfboard guy i'm stoked that they're bringing attention to the board builders and to the surfboards of course the most important uh you know thing yeah regarding surf culture and our history and so forth and so on yeah well look i'm surprised it took us this long to get to it but Molly Picklum also won on the women's side, and she has become the uh, the story of the year on the women's side that you and I did not anticipate. I know the guys on Lipped podcast and some of the Australians are way more hip to Molly than you and I were because they've yeah. been hyping her for a long time, and you and I were focused on Caitlin Simmers. But Molly Picklum, for me, this year has come out of nowhere. When she won the Pipe Masters, the Vans Pipe Masters, um, she placed fifth. Are you sure she won the Vans Pipe Masters? Yeah. Oh, not the Billabong Pipe Pro. Okay. She finished yeah. fifth at the Billabong Pipe Pro. So coming out right. of the Vans Pipe Masters win, going into the Billabong Pipe Pro, I was like, wow, okay, that's who I'm really looking at for this event. And yeah. obviously they had to surf marginal surf, but at any rate, she got fifth there. And then she won at sunset, which I just would not anticipate, you know, like she wouldn't, have, yeah. wouldn't have even been on my radar. So Molly Picklin is actually tied for first right now, um, yeah. which is incredible. And it's a rookie season, right? Amazing. I mean, you just mentioned it two out of the last three events. She's won. You know, well, that's the, a pretty the pipe- good run. 
yeah, and the pipe masters. I know, that, I know it wasn't a WSL event, but I'm just saying yeah. that two out of the last three events she's entered, she's won. Yep. And they were, you know, more or less legitimate pros she was surfing against it at Pipeline. So oh completely. Yeah. yeah. And so huge shout out acknowledgement to her. I don't know how uh, she ran under the radar for us this long, but her surfing's also really well rounded and impressive. And then considering that you and I were hyping Caitlin Simmers so much these last, I don't know, this last year, do you have any thoughts yeah. on her and her performance at sunset? Um, not really, to be honest with you, I didn't even watch any of her heats. Um, I didn't watch too much of the women's stuff. I think the one standout for me on the women's side, um, was Carolyn Marks in that, you know, you could almost say, oh, she's kind of lost her way, so mm -hmm. to speak. And um, I think she really kind of said, hey, screw you guys, watch me, here I come. And, you know, she she, poured a, she, she sort of put a stamp of, of um, don't count me out uh, at the sunset event. Yeah, a little bit. I don't, I'm still not convinced that she's here to stay. Like I've loved uh, Caroline since she got on tour, but I agree with you. She had kind of lost her way competitively and hasn't quite delivered on the potential that we all had for her when she was really young. So I think she still has some work to do and to make up because again, there's this new crop that's just underneath her. She's kind of the entry crop between the old guard and this new yeah. crop. And so she's kind of yeah. fending off both. Um, yeah. But I agree with you. Like uh, again, her backhand, I think is her strong suit. And so that worked well at sunset and she's also powerful, which is so is sunset. So, um, but I want to see her continue to do it. I want to see her do it in Portugal and at bells. So um, two interesting side notes. Chloe Andino is his 100th event. And um, they were advertising that at the beginning of this event, like, hey, congratulations, Chloe Andino. Somebody sent me a DM that said, awesome, zero out of 100. Just I as think a little zing. Hasn't he won one event? Didn't like he he has one? not won a single event. Uh, and he looked so not in form for this event. You know, it's it's actually kind of a bummer to watch, especially being from Southern California, where you and I are from. And he had, again, all of the hopes pinned on him for the next American world champ, you know, and the fact that he's a hundred events in and he's not winning, he hasn't won an event and he's only looking kind of less and less competent each event. And then his, his protege, so to speak, Griffin Colapinto is absolutely shredding and smoking Chloe's stats is, uh, Chloe's got to be going through it mentally right now, I would say. Yeah, it sucks for Chloe. You know, he was sort of the, you know, the great white hope, so to speak. Um, as a Southern California fan, he and frankly, earlier on, Brett Simpson was a guy that I was rooting for, and then I was rooting for Chloe, and 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 now Griff is just on a whole nother level yeah. on on each level. Like he's easy to like. Yeah, he's got a great head on his shoulders not that chloe doesn't but and his surfing is you know so griff's kind of the guy if you're if you're a californian and you're looking for somebody to root for uh, can you even offer advice like what does chloe need to do to revamp his program because i look at his surfing and i'm like wow he's um technically very very good it's just 70 percent of what 
Griffin is. It's 70% of what Felipe is. It's 70% of what Kanoa is. Like, I don't know how he can rework and retool things to get to that next level. Yeah, I really don't even have any advice. I mean, anything I would offer wouldn't just be, you know, whatever. Like the one thing that comes to mind is, is letting go, you know, like the Kelly Slater moment where he was like, maybe you're holding on too much. Maybe if you just let go of it all and have some sense of the present and not um, having an, any, any sort of uh, uh, attachment to your result, mm. you know, and that's just a crazy headspace to find. But I think that might be the, one of the keys, you mm. know, is, is have that letting go moment, maybe reach out to Kelly and just be like, Hey, you know, it's fine. You know what I mean? Like, it just seems like there's too much attachment and, and the more that you don't perform, the more you hold on and the more you, you know, there's an old saying, it's goes something like, um, what is it? You know, uh, something about letting go of the wheel, you know, like you're not driving, you know, so let go. Well, as I hear you talk about Kelly and I, I think about Kelly's always, there's always an opportunity for Kelly to just thrill, you know, in a given heat, no matter where it is in the world, you're kind of going to tune into Kelly's heat because he could always just do something that you had never seen before or conceived of. Caio Abelli offers those experiences. Uh, Griffin Colapinto, Felipe Toledo, Idolo, Gabriel, John John, they all offer that question when you're watching of what is this person going to do next? Kolo and Dino never does, you know, like, I, and in fact, I don't watch any of Kolohe's heats. If Kolohe paddles out in the heat, I'm like, sweet, get to go take my lunch break real quick, go heat up my lunch, you know, like this. And so he needs to figure out, I think that goes hand in hand with the letting go thing is he needs to figure out how to offer pizzazz, you know, a little razzle dazzle to his surfing or something as, as uh, Ross Williams famously told John, John, I think it was, you got to dirty it up a little bit, you know? Yeah, it's it's an interesting situation with him because I, I, you're right, you know, like it's almost like Chloe came on the scene and then Kanoa showed up and sort of took the the luster away, and then Griffin showed up and like all these other guys are just showing up and frankly, competitively they're sharper, which surprises me because Chloe's dad was an incredible competitor. And Chloe was in his youth too. Like his amateur run was that. I think that Chloe is just a kind of a Jordy classic example of too much too soon. He got paid. He deserved to get paid. Yeah. He was a star for a while, but I think his, I think it's, it's past. Well, I mean, again, that DM summed it up for me. Somebody, it just said, awesome. Zero out of 100. And it's like, dude, out of 100, if you haven't figured it out. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's. The numbers don't lie, you know, Yeah, which is a bummer to see. It is. It's tough. You know what? It's, it's, it's professional sport and yep. um, it, we don't hold any uh, ill feeling towards any of these guys, but it's our job to sit here and, and pick it apart and poke at it a little bit. And, um, you know, like I said, I hate to, to uh, I, I'm just telling you what I see and I could be wrong. You know, maybe I'm wrong. I hope I am. I hope Chloe wins the next event. I'd be stoked. There's nothing that David and I would rather do than eat a little foot, you know, put a foot in the mouth and go, you know what? We were wrong. Congrats to Chloe. You know, like totally. we want that to happen. But um, 
but it's just hard to see it happening. Yeah, it is sport and it's not for the faint of heart. Um, also not for the faint of heart is survival league. And obviously you and I lost in the first event, <laughs> but I still, I still played the game last week where I was like, Hey, let's make sunset yeah. picks. I yeah. actually made all my picks for the season. Guess who I picked for sunset Baron Mamiya. Guess who lost before the round of 32 and it's sunset Baron Mamiya. I've lost two games in a, two events yeah. in a row at survival league. So even if Kelly didn't fail me, even if he gave me my 20 bucks back, I still lost. I threw it right yeah. back in the trash. You're off for a hundred. And I'm, I picked and Jackson Baker who lost, who surfed an insane heat. I think he had a total of like 16 points and he still lost in a nail biter, like last minute. Do you know who so, he lost to? I want, it was a, such a good heat. Um, might've been Jack Rabo. Mm. I kind of well, forgot. I'm going to just for the listeners own entertainment. I'm going to continue making picks Me throughout the too. season. And at this point I'm sticking to the picks that I already laid out. I'm not going to try to tank it and get zero for z zero for nine or whatever yeah. events there are. Yeah. Um, but it's going to be incredible comedy if I lose every single event. And I feel like I should win a prize for losing every single event. If I, if I do. And I had you winning every single event since pipe, but, uh, so tell me about Portugal. First of all, are you excited for the Portugal event? You, no. And I hate to be a curmudgeon, but WSL CT events do not excite me anymore. And it, the, the excitement has been waning, which you can go back and listen to our shows over the years and you can identify yeah. that. Yeah. They just don't really thrill me anymore, you know? And I what was does thrill you, David? What does thrill you? The Eddie. The waves. Good waves. waves. Epic uh, the, waves. The Huey event thrilled me, you know? Waves. Um, so, you know, just total side note. We'll come back to this, but side note. You know, you, we have been talking about Surfline's potential model that they need to really implement of streaming swell events around the world yeah. as they happen, like they did for yeah. the Eddie the day that it did not run. Yeah. And I was like, man, the so the reason why they were able to activate for the Eddie was they already were planning on running the Eddie that day. So the film production crew was on, you know, on site, ready to go. The event didn't run. And then Surfline made the decision, hey, you guys, let's just go ahead and work this day. We'll stream the event. And you and I watched it. And we just thought, wow, this is incredible. Kind of had an epiphany. Why wouldn't they just do this around the world? They already have all of the hard work, like the details of uh, the knowing when and where the swells are going to be, providing that information to the surfers, the professional surfers themselves, and send and those people going. They know what surfer is going to be there. All they have to do is turn on the cameras and stream the event on their site, right? So the simplest yeah. part of the equation is the only part they have to figure out. Well, turns out the uh, production company that ran that for the Eddie and also for the Huey Backdoor Shootout is called Salt and Air, which is Mike Prickett's production company. Yep. I recorded a podcast with Mike Prickett which I'm going to publish maybe in a week or two. And he said, he's already done the deal with Surfline. They are going to do it. So throughout this year with major swell events around the world, Prickett and his team jumping on a plane, going to that location, and they're going to film it. They have no uh, contract for the number of events. They're not trying to dictate how many times this is going to happen, but they are ready to go at the drop of a hat and Surfline already agreed to do it. So it might be cloud break. It might be Ireland. It might be... Tahiti, but they will be there doing yeah. exactly what we saw for the Eddie. Well, last week it should have been Australia, right? <laughs> that Australia had an insane run, at least Queensland and 
all that area, Green Mountain, all that, and even up into Noosa and past Noosa, there were some of those super special points that shall remain nameless. Well, and that's the uh, thing is he specifically said, look, we're not going to go blow up spots or anything like right. It's going to be at Cloudbreak, yeah, you know, locations. like spots. Yeah, yeah locations that already have 75 guys serving. <laughs> yeah. And also already, um, you know, like if you go to the Gold Coast, there's 10 different spots that their film crew could be setting up that are equally as good. They're more going to these kind of iconic spots yeah, that, yeah. you know. So anyways, you can look forward to all of that. Cool. Um, yeah. But That's... what were, I'm sorry, where were we at in the, uh, as it relates to I we're talking about Survival League? Oh, Survival League, Portugal. I was asking Portugal. you. Okay. You're not excited about Portugal, so I'm but just if not... the waves are eight feet and spitting and, you know, we see some good matchups, that'll be very exciting. It's just a matter of the waves. And the sense is that Portugal's let us down in the past. And so based on that, we're kind of like, hmm, uh, I don't know. Well, but uh, of course we would love to be surprised and be, oh my God, Portugal was so much better than of course, Pipe and Sunset Beach. Wow. What a great event. We just have to wait and see. Yeah. So what I was, the point that I was working towards was why am I not as excited about it? It's because the WSL isn't the only name in town anymore. Like when I, eight years ago, when I used to just watch every single minute of competition, it was because there was fewer things to satiate that desire to watch world-class surfing in my life. And now there's a bunch of other options. And so I'm not going to necessarily, again, the WSL watching an event eight hours a day, having the volume up, listening to the commentary is a huge commitment of my life. It's a big ask. And I was glad to do it for a period of time, but there's more digestible content now that is actually more entertaining and equally as good. The surfing is equally as good and the waves are actually better. And that is what's occupying my interest and my time at this point. So the, the Surfline example is one of them, but there are other things as well. And some of it's just Instagram, but unless the WSL does run the event in pumping surf, you know, I'm, I'm less likely to watch. And by the way, the, the sunset event, I watch with the volume down almost. I watch, well, I'd say 20% of the event. And of that 20%, I watch 98% of it with the volume down. Here's the problem. The problem is somebody would say, well, David, why don't you just watch the last day, the finals day, if you don't want to spend four days watching all the event. And the problem is, is that on finals day, gen generally, waves aren't as good as they were in the earlier rounds right which is why we want less surfers on tour yeah. we want to be able to tune in for one day because that's all the time we got yeah and see the best surfers in the best waves and as it is now they're like oh swells on well the first two days of the swell are like elimination round round one round of 32 and it's just too many well, surfers man we've, we've said before They've it got takes, to just have 16 surfers on tour. It takes two days of competition to eliminate four male surfers who were never a threat to win the event in the first place. And by the way, much less a world title. Every single event. And nobody cares about. And I'm like, telling let's you. Let's just get it I, down to who, who do we care about? For two or three years, I, I would name those four surfers every event just to prove the point that these guys were never going to win the event or a world title. And right. every single time they were no name people who are ultimately going to fall off tour later that year. And that remains to be true. So if you're wasting two days of resources, and by the way, 
diffusing our interest in the event throughout those two days, then what are the odds that we're going to continue watching through the rest of it, you know, or you're going to hook some elusive new user to then become a huge fan of the thing. You're not, you're basically shooting yourself in the foot. So. And it's, it's, and look, all you got to do is look at tennis, which is a great example. Do I watch round one of tennis? No, I'll watch the quarterfinals, the semis and the finals. So I can see, you know, yeah. The best guys. Yep. And I think that's just a great example. Now, uh, of course, tennis does have like 50 guys in the tournament and you can watch the tennis TV and watch the early rounds if you want. And they're not dependent on swell. We are dependent on good resource here. And which it, makes, which makes us unique and makes us better than tennis. We need to, uh, only if we maximize it exactly. with the best surfers in those waves. Well, you need to lean into what makes surfing unique and better than tennis and different than everything else in the world. That's what you lean into. You don't yeah. look to tennis for cues. Yeah. You know, I'll watch the QS if I want to see yeah. somebody grind and try to totally. By the way, if, so who's your survival pick? Okay, for Portugal, I've Yago Doro is my pick. Oh, that's a very interesting one. I actually like it a lot. Uh, I gotta find my uh spreadsheet real quick i'm I'd sorry i'd like to know how many oh, people are Edel. left and i like you yeah, that's a good one how many Edel people are left. left in this thing tyler needs to, is it taylor or tyler it's tyler tyler needs to send taylor. us some oh is it i always get those two names mixed up i know i have the, cool. my brain is it's like christine and christina um i have an issue with some of these names suzanne I run, suzanne i hate when you run into a kirsten it's that's like, a, that's a Kirsten, Kirsten, then, Christine, Christine. I and then uh, they're offended. They're like, "It's Kirsten, not Kristen." And you're like, "Well, it's one letter difference. Why are you mad at me?" Like, yeah. I just it's a it's, it's an easy. It's mistake David, to make. not David. You exactly. Know? Like, come on, it's an easy mistake to make. Okay, so my Portugal picks again. I had this spreadsheet with four, um, kind of uh, prioritized four athletes. And if they did not rank high for different events, then I would use them in the given event. So like John, John ranked high for pipe, high for sunset. So, but he also ranked high for bells and he also ranked high for Margaret. So I couldn't use them at all. So I have to kind of prioritize anyways, Idolo was my pick for Portugal. I think I also had him in. <laughs> You're going to lose. You're going to lose. I could see Idolo just completely failing. That's, that's the problem. That's scary. You know? That's he a is, scary he, pick. That is a scary pick in my he was a he safe pick. A, he was a safe pick for so many years. He is a scary pick now. He's a scary pick. I'm sticking you with could it. You easily go with like Jordy and feel a little more confident than, than I, at, at this point, honestly, if I was still in the game, I would very much consider adjusting. Not young can Kyle. win. I'd pick yeah, Kyle. Kyle, Kyle. Kyle feels safer to me now than. Yeah. Anyways, I have two other things related to sunset, but do you need your bathroom break yet? Yeah, I do. Thank you. Okay, go for God, it. You're, we'll you're smooth. That was very smooth. Thanks. All right, Scott Bass. Hey, I know you're in the bathroom right now, but we are still recording through the magic <laughs> what? of technology. What? This is during your bathroom break, officially. Oh. <laughs> That's wow. where this commercial goes, during your okay. bathroom break. So, yeah, wow. you're, you're in there, but brought the mic with you, right? Um, here's one thing that you should always bring with you whether you're in the bathroom or not bring the knowledge of a great travel company on all your surf trips the expertise the uh, ease of mind the peace of mind that waterways travel will give you when you set up your surf trips this year and this is the season bros february kidding now's the time 
to start booking your trips for those horrible uh, July, August summer doldrums uh, here in Southern California. Uh, um, you know, get away, get out of town. August, good time to go surf travel. Absolutely. And waterwaystravel.com is where you do that. Waterways is expertly crafted surf experiences so that you can travel intelligently. There is nobody that I know of in the business who has more experience um, than Waterways Travel. So Sean Murphy has been doing it since 1994, setting up these relationships. And that's what they are, by the way. It's not just him going and getting barreled somewhere and saying, hey, you can go get barreled here. It's him going to a place, learning the ins and outs of how to travel there, working with local operators. So restaurant owners, hotel owners, uh, boatmen, photographers, all of these masseuses, all of these things to, uh, and then maintaining the relationships over the course of the last almost 30 years. So these are nurtured, they're long-term. And um, again, all of the insights gleaned from that are available. They were available for the magazines and the pros for a lot of years because that's who they they depended on with Sean Murphy and Waterways. And now all of that information, know-how, intel is available to you, the user, the end user. So you can find it all at waterwaystravel.com. There's an inquiry button where you can search their website and find most of the information you need, but click the inquiry button and talk to an actual human being and they will provide all the intel for you directly. So that's where you should go. That's perfect. Yeah, that's so great. So look, waterwaystravel.com, check them out. No brainer. Hiring for a small business is critical. It's imperative that you find a highly qualified professional to treat and grow your business with the same care and detail that you do. LinkedIn Jobs will be your next big unlock. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team fast and for free. Everybody is already on LinkedIn with their resume and their references. So the fact that LinkedIn built a hiring platform to connect the dots between everything is simple genius. It's way more sophisticated than a job board. It's a vast network of more than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set, desire, ambition, all in an effort to help us advance our position. And it's easy to use and intuitive. So effective that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Fast hiring solutions means achieving your goals in record time with rapid growth in 2024. LinkedIn Jobs will even help you write the job descriptions and give you tools and prompts to help you interview your candidate like a pro. LinkedIn.com slash surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. And you can let the world's largest social network of business professionals work to connect you with the ideal candidate to help you grow your business. That is LinkedIn.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Okay. okay. True story. I've got the, I've got a prostate the size of a grapefruit. And I was, I think I've told you this before, but I was in the hospital a couple of three years ago for something like, I think I don't know, some old man thing, diverticulitis or something. And the doctor came in and I goes, and I was like, 
I'm having problems, you know, I'm not peeing as often or I'm peeing too much or whatever, my flow rate, blah, blah, blah. And she goes, well, I can check your prostate for you right now, you know, which requires sticking a digit up your anus, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I'm like, yeah, you know, please, I'd, I'd like, you know, because, uh, you know. I'd like that. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, yes, please. I was like, <laughs> so, so she checks my prostate, right? Mm. And I look at her nameplate and her name's Dr. Wang. And my wife was in there. And my wife looks at me. She goes, you realize you just had a Wang up your butt. It's <laughs> uh, funny Amazing. story. True story. True it story. is funny. I thought this was going into an actual joke that wasn't true. So I'm shocked. No, this, that is, that was, this is true. That is so yeah. funny. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, listener feedback from last show, we were talking about the Zeke interference. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, and that was a big controversial thing. And I, I kind of took the stance. He tried to hold me accountable a little bit, but I took the stance of like, look, Zeke got screwed. The WSL botched this. Uh, I don't even like Zeke, but he got screwed. I got a lot of feedback from listeners making the opposite argument. They're like, look, Rio Wida knew that the priority flipped. Leonardo Fioravante obviously knew that the priority got flipped because he was shouting to Zeke. If both of them knew, then the WSL did their job, you know what I mean? By letting yeah. the competitors know. So it's on Zeke completely. And it's yeah. further evidence of why we don't like Zeke. I so, kind of agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to argue against. Um, and it also, somebody else, a number of people also pointed out that it seemed odd that Zeke was doing that move to help out Leonardo because Zeke was in first, Rio was in third. So uh, even if Rio moved to first, Zeke would have stayed in second. Zeke was not going to lose that heat no matter what. So him doing yeah. that blocking thing was really to help his buddy, Leonardo, who used to be on the same team. And Leo even yeah. said as much in that post-heat interview where he revealed all of it. He goes, oh, Zeke was trying to help me out, you know? So it's just yeah. kind of weird that you would prioritize some stupid tactic over just getting out of the event. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Anyways, done with that. I have a listener feedback about Sunset and the, the um, Subject line just says more foam. Listener said, Felipe is a sunset. Oh, no, that's not his note. That's mine. It says, (laughs) sorry. It says, quote, watching sunset finals in falling swell got me thinking about boards. Why is all the classic footage of Hackman, Buttons, Buffalo, and both the Thompsons sliding similar sized sunset so much more thrilling and vital than any of these recent comps. Sure. Today's equipment can be, can allow for more quote, extreme maneuvers, more vertical, steeper hacks in tighter spaces, but sunset as a wave maybe only offers two split seconds per wave for such feats and watching mid-level CT surfers extend bottom turns indefinitely, tapping their front feet impatiently, waiting for a section to present itself is vaguely insulting to sunset compared to watching someone flow through the entire wave with style and grace. There are those who can do both, John John most obviously, but there's something vulgar about watching some guy in a 6-2 hopping and itching and salivating for a section to hit eyeing up a wave like some piece of meat and something even uglier about watching him kick out in frustration when the fi- when it doesn't arrive while the sure slightly tubby wave 
peels off begging for someone with some patience, a little more volume and maybe a six or eight more inches to fit into its curves, to love it for what it is like a grown ass human alive with the world, not some geeked up <laughs> kid living in his thoughts, itching to show you something quote, cool. My dream judging criteria would include massive deductions for square footage of wave face wasted in service of some particular maneuver. That's not surfing. That's like a trick shot in pool might be impressive, but has nothing to do with the game itself. And regarding the judging criteria, he said, and minus one whole wave score. If your board is just too damn small and I have to watch you chattering around, stomping on your front foot of your board or anything else equally undignified, just so that you can thrash some millisecond of vertical section or otherwise chubby deep water wave that requires some gosh darn flow and variation surf competence. Why can't we judge that skill adaptability? And if you drift out the back of a decent one, because your little potato chip just doesn't have the enough oomph, you get immediately ejected from the competition. Come on, let's try to have some self-respect. And to be fair, if you can pull off the trick shot in the game, because this uh, situation genuinely demands it, then you earn triple the points. Monty from San Clemente. Yeah, I mean, look, you and I've sort of uh, highlighted what Monty was getting at. We've been talking about that for a long time. At the end of the day, since it needs to be 8 to 12 feet to run a, a, a legit contest there. And at that point, we can say, look, you have to ride the West. If you catch the West Peak, we're going to score you higher yeah. than if you sit on the inside and just wait for the bulls. Exactly. Yeah. The and, points just um, have to reflect. It's pretty, it. it's pretty simple, you know, and everyone, and, and I know this year Kong and others chimed in on it, but it, I mean, that's something that you and I've been seeing for, a, I mean, I've been seeing that's Marty Thomas and I were seeing that when we were doing a surf talk radio here in San Diego, we we're like, where's friggin' Kong rolling down the windows on a, eight, six ounce burn channel bottom, you know, late drop. Cause, and the thing is, there's a tube out there, there's, yeah. you know, there's barrels out there. Well, but anyway, we need eight know, to 12 foot. I had a thought after reading that email that relates to everything we've been talking about, which is now that the CT is running events at sunset, it really is a wave that requires a certain type of board, but the shapers and, it, and for a lot of years when there was so much media focus on sunset, there was a lot of boards designed for sunset. I think now it would we're going to start seeing that maybe in the next year or two where the shapers are really designing a board that's specific to sunset. And it's not going to be a single seven foot single fin, but it might be something that has more forward foam, you know, where they can paddle around in that playing field a little bit more and the bottom turns will be longer and more drawn out. And the the tails can be narrower and maybe they have channels and they're still going to be thrusters so that they can do turns in that moment where it does get vertical, but they need the forward foam to really glide through those fatter sections of the wave. Because the fact that they're riding the exact same shortboards that they were riding at pipe or wherever else, this listener highlights does a certain disservice to the wave. There's a lot of sections, the majority of the sections on that wave that are not really designed for that style of board. And when they do something explosive, we almost forget that they did a bunch of chattery 
triple bottom turns to get there. But if somebody unlocks that new board design that really fits that wave well, I think that it would um, turn heads. Yeah, I think it would be fun for those guys too, for Marcio and Matt and Darren and all the guys that are designing boards for the pros, um, Britt Merrick, all these guys. I think they'd be psyched to build boards for Big Sunset for the competition. What really has to happen is the judging panel needs to set um, – Basically, they need to set it up so that if you don't ride a big wave outside, you're not going to get a big score. It's just mm -hmm. that simple. You can sit on the inside and pull into sick barrels. The most you're going to get is a six. Yeah, that's fine. Award six points for this. Because once you do that, four points for that portion. Because in some ways, you can't blame the competitors. They're just surfing to the judging criteria. Yeah. You know, and so if you make the judging criteria look, catch the biggest west peak bomb you can catch and oh by the way if you're lucky and it sets up with a wall down the line on the inside and you pull in you just got a 10 you know and yeah well uh, the, the obvious thing that listeners are probably screaming at the radio about right now is um look if the swell doesn't allow for west peak sunset then all of your yeah. guys points are moot what yeah. you and i you and i know that and we what's baked into our conversation is that the wsl needs to revamp the program so that they're they can run the events in the best surf for a given spot. Two days. Throughout the, yeah, exactly. You got two days. So, you got a two-day swell. You got two weeks to find two days. There you go. Get it, get done. it done. Yeah, exactly. Um, transitioning away from the sunset event, Make or Break Season 2 is currently on Apple+. Plus. How excited are you to watch? I presume you've burned through all the episodes already. <laughs> I actually kind of do want to watch it. I haven't watched it. Um, I've been enthralled with the PGA tours version of that made by the same production company. I believe, I believe it's the same production company. The ones that did F1. Make or break. Or I'm sorry. Um, box to box is the name of the company. And the PGA version is called full swing. And it's about last season, just like make or break is about last season. And with the PGA Tour, it's all the drama of that Saudi Arabian live tour kind of taking over. So there's a bunch of really interesting geopolitical, international intrigue behind it all. But I saw that Stab did a review on Make or Break, and they said it was great. And I'm sure it's really good. I do want to watch it. You know, um, I just got to get pulled away from it's what funny. I'm watching isn't it funny how little we care? Like I watched season one and I liked season one. And when I heard there was season two, I was like, Oh, cool. I'm glad that they're doing season two. Then it was advertised that it was dropping and I'm like, eh, and then it dropped and I'm like, eh, it's low priority for me. I don't know why. Yeah. I, I think part it, of it is that we're pretty close to everything already. We sort of feel like we know everything, maybe. but we don't, by the way, I think that they do uncover stuff. You do get a little bit more understanding and nuance of each individual surfer, maybe some stuff that you didn't quite know about them or about their team or about how they prepare. I, I'm wondering, like when I think about season two of um, hundred foot wave, which should be dropping anytime now, I haven't You're seen it. Yeah. I'm psyched. I'm going to watch yeah. that. I'm going to watch that the night it comes out. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm wondering if it's more than what you're saying. I'm wondering if it's that the, our general kind of malaise as it relates to the CT tour 
has kind of uh, transitioned into that viewing as well. You know, it's like they've eroded so much of our interest in this thing that we loved so hard that we just kind of, it's hard to go back to it almost, you know, it's going to take a lot of work to drive us back to it. Think if you're a, a production guy on make or break or you're a writer and you've got two days out of a 12, 15 day waiting period to get epic waves. And so you're leading into, you're following, let's say you're following uh, Kanoa and Griff for one episode and you're learning all about them. And oh, by the way, the swell's on the way. People are psyched. They're going to be surfing eight foot J Bay guaranteed. And it's going to be finals day. And each episode is like that of make or break rather than, Oh yeah. Finals day came. It, you know, yeah. You know, they're not going to say anything negative about three to four foot sunset point, but it, it, it all comes down to the waves of the stars. You're, uh, so you're hundred make or break would be better if we knew God, that season was insane. Every single event had killer waves, you know, more or less. And so it'll be fun to watch Make or Break because we're going to see these guys geeking out about board design or whatever, you know. So I think well, a lot of it is that. You're 100% right. I mean, we harp on it all the time and it still surprises me when we land on it. But uh, for 100 Foot Wave, the premise of the show is we're looking for the biggest wave. And so I'm viewing it. I'm going in to watch it to be like, gosh, are these people going to find the elusive sea monster? Whereas make or break, it's just, it's manufactured drama in dribbly surf. Yeah, it's, that's it. You know, I think at the end of the day, it comes down to who are the stars, what are the stars? And uh, I mean, we do beat it like a dead horse, but uh, horse it, keeps coming back. It really does. It's crazy. <laughs> um, I got two important, and somewhat, I have something important. somewhat lengthy Dukes or Kooks, but okay, let me we'll let me talk. Let me chime in with my thing here. So, the California Gold Surf Auction is coming up. It's in March. I've got an, I've got a lot I want to describe for you because I think it may interest you, David. It's two items. It's one lot, but it's two items, and this is a unique confluence of random, unexpected circumstance which took place. Uh, and I'm going to give you um, the provenance. These are the true events as told by Gary Proper, who's now since passed, professional surfer, East Coast surfing champion, Gary Proper, regarding the events that took place to him one day in 1969. And I quote Gary Proper here. Bruce Brown, Mickey Munoz, and I were hanging outside the Hobie Surf Shop in Dana Point. I was on the West Coast to discuss my signature Gary Proper model by Hobie Surfboards. Bruce Brown was filming on any Sunday out in the desert. And then an old pickup truck with two dirt bikes in the back pulled up and Steve McQueen got out. Steve was in the movie on any Sunday. I was introduced to Steve as the East Coast surfing champion and he was friendly and conversational. And of course, Steve McQueen was my hero. I had an appointment that day with artist Bill Ogden, who was going to do the logo artwork for my Hobie signature surfboard. I was meeting him at the Sound Spectrum in Laguna Beach. Steve McQueen said he was going that way and would drop me off. So on the way there, Steve and I began talking and we bonded around the fact that neither of us knew our fathers. Now, I don't know if it was the realization of a traveling down Pacific Coast Highway with Steve McQueen 
or it was my weak Florida constitution for cold weather that got to me. But suddenly I started to shake. As Steve McQueen pulled over to drop me off at the sound spectrum, he reached into the back of the cab and said, you look cold here. I want you to have this. And he handed me the leather jacket. So what we have here, end of quote, by the way, end of story from Gary Proper. What we have here is two items in one lot. We have the leather jacket that belonged to Steve McQueen that he gave to Gary Proper. And we have a Hobie 1967 Gary Proper model uh, Hobie longboard. These two items make up the one lot, a surfboard and a jacket, Steve McQueen's leather jacket. Oh, my California Gold Surf Auction bidding begins March 11th. Bidding closes March 25th. Register, bid, and win. You can download the app or use your um, laptop computer at home to a bid from anywhere in the world. Boards by Brewer, Pat Curran, Sean Stussy, Jerry Lopez, Barry Kanai, Puni, Mike Hinson, Greg Knoll, a host of others. Oh, my God. Butch Van Artstalen. <clears throat> Butch Van Artstalen, baby. Incredible. What a story, man. I know. Cool story. And there's a letter of authenticity from Gary with letter. You know, what's interesting about Gary proper. He was smart enough. He swooped in on the rights to teenage mutant Ninja turtles. He made a fortune on the teenage mutant Ninja turtles movie uh, anthology or whatever, however many they made. It's still going, I think. Yeah. And he, he, how, he's how he since passed, but uh, he, he was a, a promoter in Hollywood. Like he, he promoted, a um, bunch of musical acts that we all know, like I want to say like Talking Heads and some others. Um, and he was just, you know, a mover and a shaker, super good guy, Gary Proper, super fun guy and um, just sort of gregarious and and just knew how to, you know, create and maintain relationships. And and the, the like the comic book was in his rights. He got the rights to the films. So interesting. Um, yeah, that's I had no idea. It's um. I mean, they're surfers. I wonder if he influenced the storyline at all because Michelangelo, the one brother, is like a full surf dude, cowabunga and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, there might be some of might that. Might be based on him. Gary Proper Maybe, himself. Yeah, because Gary was kind of a cowabunga guy and an incredible surfer. As I mentioned, East Coast surfing champion. He was just a really next level surfer. Yeah. Great, great uh, history insights there. Yeah. And what a great, the jacket is a really interesting detail. Steve it's, McQueen leather jacket. Are you kidding I know. me? It's like, he's, he's synonymous with a leather jacket. He's the king of cool. You know, he is, he is yeah. the king of cool. Exactly. Yeah. Very cool. Um, when is that California cold surf auction? March 11th okay. beginning bidding begins March 11th. And then you can bid for two weeks. Bidding begins closing March 25th at 5 PM Pacific okay. standard time. And this is a no reserve lot. We're selling this jacket and surfboard together in one lot and there's no reserve so we're selling it no matter what awesome yeah very cool well uh i've got a duke and a kook my duke of the week is a uh, big mike delaney laminator at pure glass have you seen what's going on with him uh fill me in a little bit on what's going on with mike well so mike is uh a laminar a laminator at pure glass which is a yeah i know mike i know mike yeah, yeah, surfboard manufacturing facility in Costa Mesa. Um, if you have had, uh, if you've had a board in Orange County from uh, Mayhem, Roberts, Hobie, Infinity, Doc, Patterson, Panda, 
panda is there panda blake yeah. shapes at pure glass and exactly. then has boards laminated there so all of those board manufacturers cordell are, cordell eastrats a Strata. bunch of people were missing like they make a ton of boards at pure glass and mike delaney laminated them dano yeah exactly there a, a lot of those manu boards are manu or uh, laminated through that facility and yeah, so over the course of 20 plus years, Mike has laminated. And again, Idolo, I said Timmy Patterson, Idolo's boards. They're laminating Idolo's boards. Some of the way uh, event winning boards that he's written, you know, have been laminated yeah. there. So they do incredible work. And Delaney is the guy and uh, has been there for a long time. Anyways, he posted on Instagram three days ago about his father being diagnosed with late stage Parkinson's advanced Parkinson's actually, I'm oh, just going to read man. it. I'm going to read it straight to you. He says, hello friends with a sad heart. I'm sharing with you that my dad, Richard has been diagnosed with advanced Parkinson's disease being an only child. I need to make the move back to Southern uh, back to South Carolina to help my mom with the day-to-day -day care of my dad. The decision was not easy, but I need to leave the surf industry that I love to care for my family. It's been an emotional decision, but it's the right one to make. Uh, he set up a GoFundMe account primarily to cover the expenses of the cross-country move. It will also give me some time to find a new profession outside of the surf industry. Please pray for all of us then that we adjust to this new reality. My family and I thank you for your, and appreciate your generous donations. Please share this with your friends on social media. Thank you all in advance. Uh, and I'll keep you updated on my move, humbled and grateful, yours truly, Mike. And the reason that I bring this up is um, we see lots of GoFundMe's throughout the year for a lot of various things, and some of them are very you know worthy and all that sort of stuff. But what we constantly talk about here on the podcast, year in and year out, is that board builders are underpaid and that they need to yeah. charge more for surfboards. And even if they do charge more for surfboards, Oftentimes it's the shaper whose name is on the label, who is, uh, you know, getting that money and laminators, sanders, fin setters are just paid basically per unit and not paid enough, you know? Yeah. And so this is the real world implication of these people not being paid enough. These are people who uh, don't necessarily have a 401k set up, don't have a retirement set up, and they're also not earning enough money. There's no amount of boards that you could laminate through the course of the day that will allow you to make meaningful contributions to those things in order to have the rest of your life set up. So you and I who buy surfboards and who ask for deals on surfboards, ask for discounts and all that sort of stuff are doing it at the cost of these individual laborers who then ultimately find themselves in a position later in life where they have to make a tough decision like this. Like Mike loves the surf industry and would love to work in the surf industry until his final day, I'm sure. But there's extenuating circumstances in his life, a sick father who has eliminated his ability to actually do what he loves. And also consequentially, because we don't pay enough for surfboards and because we ask for deals on surfboards, doesn't even have the financial kind of wherewithal to go spend time with his, you know, ailing father. And so it's a really unfortunate situation. I hate to see it. Mike is also not only a super talented laminator, hard worker, all that. He's a great dude. And so I'm going to focus as much attention on this GoFundMe as you can, as we can. I'm going to post it on social media at Surf Splendor. I'll post it in today's show notes on Surf Splendor podcast. But for anybody listening, 
it doesn't have to be a hundred bucks. doesn't have to be a big amount of money, 20 bucks, five bucks, whatever you can. If all of the listeners right now that are listening to this show chipped in five bucks, it would go a long way to Mike's uh, servicing Mike's goal, eliminating some of the anxiety and stress that he's feeling regarding this and allow him just to spend quality time with his mom and dad, you know, well, which is, which is limited. Well put. I know I just sent hundred bucks to Mike and I'm a big fan of uh, everything you just said. And it's all true. And what a great guy. And um, my thoughts and, um, and prayers, because I do pray uh, are with Mike and his father. And of course, his father's wife, who they've got a tough uh, road ahead of them here. The prayers part, I think is important. Agnostic of your uh, religious affiliation or anything like that. Um, I was talking to, again, Mike Prickett, who has had two major injuries in his life. He broke both of his legs when he was 18 in a car crash. And the doctor said, you'll probably never walk again. And he did. And then 10 years ago, we talked about it on this show. Um, yeah. He had that situation in Tahiti where he got the bends and yeah. he's been paralyzed ever since. And by the way, he did that. The reason why he got the bends was he was rescuing a diver. He saw somebody yeah. in distress and he went down and rescued them. And uh, that person was out of air. And so Mike gave his oxygen to that person and that person was so panicked they were like sucking up you know tons of oxygen and mike was just sipping off of it and then they had to make the ascent really really quickly and uh uh you know uh oxygenated their blood and that sort of thing the guy who he rescued by the way survived with no problems mike the rescuer ended up having paralysis for the rest of his life. That's horrible. (laughs) Anyways, the reason I bring this up is Mike has recovered from the first one and he's made a lot of progress. He's now walking with crutches. Uh, He's made a lot of progress in this uh, injury that the doctors never anticipated. The doctor said you will never walk again both times. And Mike attributes his progress to optimism and having willpower. And he's like, he's like, I just didn't accept it. You know, like they said, I would never walk. I was like, there's... I just don't accept that fate and don't accept that reality. I am going to overcome. And I think there's so much of that matters with um, it's psychosomatic. A lot of it's psychosomatic, but a lot of it defies science even, you know, and flies in the face of what the doctor's kind of uh, vast training would allow them to believe. And so as it relates to Mike and his dad or anybody else who's going through any hardship, chin up, Scott said he's sending prayers that kind of energy, that kind of um, optimism matters. And so, yeah, focus on that, focus on the good, focus on the healing, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, for sure. And, and send some money to Mike Delaney. GoFundMe. How do they find that GoFundMe page? It's on Mike Delaney's Instagram account. Um, I don't think there's really a quick URL, but I will post it. We'll post it on social media. Mike Delaney's Instagram account is a kook named Mike. And it's each word is kind of um, has a underscore in between it. So a underscore kook. Okay. Go on name Mike. So you can find it there. Google it. Cool. Search it. Um, and then I also have a kook of the week, which was a breaking news story yesterday, which I think will start making its rounds today. But listeners in Maui clued me in on this. They started sending photos midday about a luxury yacht that was dry docked at Honolulu Bay and right on the reef where the wave breaks, just a totally gnarly kind of uh, setup. But the initial news story said that a vessel has run aground at Honolulu Bay. The State Department uh, has confirmed this. The... um, 
This was an update from a Facebook post. The locals are definitely getting restless and upset, but the private yacht for charter that is run by, dang it, scroll just started at the beginning. It said the uh, it's run by the Nolani Yacht Charters is called the Nakoa. It's basically um, a fancy yacht that takes people on vacation and there is a nonprofit that is going to help remove the boat. But until then, who knows what's going to happen? The Marine is a wildlife sanctuary. The Ocean Kai filed complaints with the company and you can too. What will happen if the fuel begins to leak? This is a very precious habitat. The reason that we're posting this is because we want the owner to pay for the cleanup. Taxpayers should not get fined for this infraction. This is somebody, this is a luxury yacht taking people on vacation that is gallivanting and they run aground at an important uh, sanctuary, wildlife wow. sanctuary. So you can yeah. file your complaint. I'll post the link to that um, to ensure that the company that's responsible ends up paying the fees for all of this stuff and not the taxpayers. Yeah. No, that's good, sure, and um, and I hope that the owner of the yacht steps up and does the right thing here. Yeah. Absolutely. Hey, by the way, um, just before we go, let me tell you that we're about to get hit by a massive uh, storm and some pretty strong coastal winds, probably thirty to forty miles per hour, right on the coast, with maybe gusts up to fifty miles per hour. So be careful out there because the, the wind's going to be stronger than than probably anything we've had all all winter. And it's gonna be massive windswell, 12 to 15 feet of windswell tomorrow with white caps, victory at sea, blustery. Uh, it's gonna be pretty dangerous. So, and then we have a full tide mid morning, so be careful. Yeah, and cold too, it's supposed to be frigid. But cold, yeah. But cold, yeah. cover your butts. Right. All right, well look, David, until next week, adios and aloha.
And don't forget to post your job for free at linkedin.com slash surf. That's linkedin.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply.